Welcome to Franchise Marketing Radio, brought to you by SEO Samba, comprehensive high-performing marketing solutions for mature and emerging franchise brands. To supercharge your franchise marketing, go to seosamba.com. That's S-E-O-S-A-M-B-A dot com. Welcome to Franchise Marketing Radio. Stone Payton Lee Cantor here with you this morning. Today's episode is brought to you in part by the Business Radio X Studio Partner Program, equipping franchisors to help franchisees dominate their local market. To learn more about serving your market and growing your business, go to mybrxstudio.com. Lee, this is going to be a fantastic segment. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast CEO with FranNet, Miss Jana Bailey. How are you, Jana? I'm great. Like everyone else, a little house burned, but this too shall pass. Well, Jana, before we get too far into things, tell us a little bit about FranNet. How are you serving folks? Well, FranNet is a 32-year-old company, and the way we work, we very much similar to a executive recruiter on the job market. If you translate that now to franchises, we work with about 200 brands, and they describe to us the people they are looking for as a franchisee. You know, what are the characteristics, the background? Uh, we really get to understand those brands. Then as we're working with our our clients, and we generate those in a number of ways, primarily in local market activity, and we meet these people that are interested in exploring business ownership, we introduce them to franchising, first of all, and explain the difference in a franchise and being self-employed. And then we help them build what we call their personal business model. You know, do you want employees, not want employees, want to work from home, retail service? You know, discuss the whole myriad of questions you have to ask. Then we begin the matching process, and we eliminate brands that don't line up for them. And hopefully we come up with three to four that look like and feel like a good match for what they're looking for. We then make the introduction and help them with the evaluation process to get to a yes or a no. Now, it sounds a little bit to me like kind of Russian nesting dolls in that um, (laughs) Franet, the franchisor, has franchisees Mm -hmm. in local markets that offer franchises to people who are looking for either that second act in their career or want to be an entrepreneur or or, are interested in uh, kind of owning their own business. Is that accurate? That is accurate. Good job. So now, um, as FranNet, from corporate standpoint, is the biggest challenge uh, finding your own franchisees or is it finding the right franchise partners to um, recommend to the franchisees to their clients? The, the biggest challenge, well, two challenges, and I've been in this position 14 years, and, you know, at any given time in the economy, it's different sides of the coin. But one side is obviously finding the candidates that are interested in business exploration. So that's one thing we're always focused on. The other side is finding those franchise concepts that are in alignment with what the majority of our clients are looking for. Um, we get a lot of concepts approaching us, but we take them through a, a very diligent uh, vetting process. And 
not just are they a good concept or a bad concept, but again, are they in alignment with what the majority of our customers are looking for? Are we going to be able to be a good steward back to that franchisor if they join our portfolio? So um, you're vetting everybody. That's the oh the, yeah. So you're you're vetting every kind of side to the like you said to the coin. Um, what's mm-hmm. kind of characteristics? Uh, let's take each one individually. What's a characteristic of a good franchisee in a local market? What kind of um, characteristics do they have? They are people who are ready to take control of, of their lives and their career moving forward. A lot of times, I, I say the majority of our clients have been downsized or right-sized one time too many. Um, I expect we'll see a lot of these people when we're on the other side of the pandemic, people that, you know, were um, let go, furloughed because of no fault of their own. They were doing a great job. That's just what has happened. So those people are like, okay, I'm going to make sure this doesn't happen to me again. Um, obviously, they have to have some capital that they're ready to invest. We typically say 25 to 30 percent of the total investment, and that's why we try to have a wide range of investment level franchises. So you don't immediately knock somebody out if they don't have, you know, half a million dollars. So you try to make sure that you've got that mix. Um, I, I tell people true entrepreneurs are not a good fit for franchises because a true entrepreneur wants to do it all themselves. Um, a good franchisee candidate is willing to follow a system, is willing to take that guidance and input from the franchisor, and they see the value in that. They see the value in joining uh, a company that's been there, done that, and can help them on that path. And then from the other side of the coin, the the franchises that you represent, um, what are the characteristics they have? Uh, I would imagine because there are so many out there in such wide variety of industries, uh, they all some of they would have similar characteristics though in terms of kind of values and um, you know the math about it as well. Like some would be B two B, some would be B two C. Like how do you kind of um, mm-hmm. the appropriate ones? Yeah, we, we try to have a good mix. Now, you know, we like automatically rule out hotels. You know, we don't have clients that are looking for a multi-million dollar investment. So that's kind of off the table. Um, quick serve restaurants uh, in terms of the actual going in and setting down a Chili's or Applebee's, those are outside our daily with really. Very little in QSR in general and fast food because a lot of food concepts are looking for people with prior food experience and that's not who we see. So you just kind of set all those aside. Now you start coming back and going, okay, it's going to be a lot of good service businesses and some of those are retail and some are, um, you know, operate from home or a small office. But they do tend to be, um, there are some that are bricks and mortar, but a lot of them are more home-based or small office-based, uh, scalable. So you can start out with, you know, a small territory and expand that as you're ready to invest. Um, the things that they will have in common, they have to have a solid concept that in proof of concept. And by that, um, not somebody who's just got a great idea and a single unit they've been operating and now they want a franchise. I need to see, we need to see 
that this has been tested in more than one market with someone other than the founder. Um, ideally, we want to see, you know, a minimum of 10 um, open units that have been open and operating and you've got some track record. Um, obviously, the longer they've been in business, the more comfort you tend to have and the more validation you can do. Um, and speaking of validation, that's probably one of the number one things that will rule people out of coming on board with us. If their franchisees aren't happy, if their franchisees don't feel like they've been taken good care of and supported by the franchisor, we don't want our clients even looking at that brand. Now, when you say validation, what is the kind of, is there an industry definition of, okay, that franchise has been validated, or is there a FranNet kind of criteria that, in your mind, says, okay, this has been validated enough for us? Well, you know, there's a couple of different survey companies out there, and we do take their information, and that's great, but... Um, being, I, I was a banker in a former life before this, uh, before I got into franchising. So um, I, I feel like for us to make some of the calls ourselves, and you know, it depends on how large the franchise is, um, the number of calls we'll make. But we want to make random calls to franchisees, and we've got a laundry list of questions that we ask. And the very last question is, would you do it again? You know, if you knew everything um, in the beginning that you know now, would you do it again? And and we asked for, um, you know, them to, to go into a little detail about that. But we get a good feel for the um, complexion of the franchisees. And, you know, we like to talk to some that are superstars and we want to make enough calls we get to that average Joe in the middle of the pack. And it's always helpful to talk to people who aren't. Um, as happy. So you can kind of see what separates them. And is it the individual or is it a weakness in the system? So those are the things we're trying to figure out as we do our vetting process. Now, how do you help that person in a local market that sees maybe they traveled and they're like, wow, there's so many cupcake places in this city. I bet a cupcake place would be good here or a yogurt place or you see some of these kind of <laughs> fads that seem like super popular and they seem everywhere and then all of a sudden they're gone just as quickly as they started. Uh, how do you kind of counsel that uh, potential uh, business, uh, you know, person that's thinking of getting into franchising and mm -hmm. to jump on top of one of these, you know, hot trends? Well, that is an interesting question. And it's one of the things that we cover in our um, seminars and webinars we do. And, and I do use the example of frozen yogurt. You know, I tell people don't fall in love with the product or the service or the idea of the product or service. Um, I love frozen yogurt. But for me to buy a frozen yogurt franchise would be a big mistake. And the reason is I don't want a business that's open seven days a week and has long retail hours, which a yogurt shop would have to have. I also would not be, um, comfortable with the staff. I prefer to work with other adult professionals and not teenagers, young people um, that may or may not show up for work. So, you know, you've got to look at it, and that's what I tell people to do. Let's look at will you love what you'll be doing as an owner? It's not whether or not you love the product that's coming out the other end or the service. 
and how comfortable are you with the primary role the owner has to play. Um, I was with a hair care concept for years, and, you know, the, the job was not to cut hair. The owner didn't wasn't supposed to be on the floor doing the service. The owner was supposed to be doing the marketing and out in the community making contact and looking over the marketing plan for the next, you know, 30, 60, 90 days, hiring new stylists, blah, blah, you know, just on and on. So you had to make sure your skill set was in alignment with what it took to be a successful franchisee. Hope that helps. And so that's the way we challenge people is, yeah, I love cupcakes too, but let's look and see what, what does it mean to be an owner of that and does that make sense for you? Now, do um, do you prefer when uh, in a local market if somebody has one of their clients that wants to buy a franchise, do they do you prefer if they are kind of an owner-operator or is there enough choices where, hey, we got some if you want to be an owner-operator, there's some choices over here, but if you want to be kind of absentee, there's also some choices over there. Do you Are you kind of agnostic when it comes to that or do you prefer an owner-operator? We have some of those. Um, realistically, you know, there's the investor model and then the owner-operator um, I, I, I tend to call them semi-absentee instead of absentee. Um, I, I don't believe you can ever own a business and be totally absent from it. So you're going to have some roles. And a lot of times it's manage the manager. Uh, I think anyone going into business needs to expect that that first year they're going to be much more involved than they would ever be uh, later down the road because they've got to learn it. How can I turn over my business to someone if I'm not even sure how it operates on a day-to-day basis. So um, I'm a big believer that semi-absentee is possible. Investor levels are possible. But being sure you've got the team in place and and the understanding of the business enough, you can manage it from afar. Um, And then we still have a lot of just owner-operators, people that want to get in and own one unit or three units or, you know, a small area. Um, We have a mix of all of that. If you're just now joining us, you're listening to Franchise Marketing Radio. Our guest today is the CEO with FranNet, Miss Jana Bailey. Jana Stone-Payton here. I've got a, a marketing question for you, I guess. In your role, have you found some tools, some resources more effective than others in terms of marketing business opportunities, franchises out to prospective candidates, like a I don't know, direct mail, digital marketing. Are there some things that work better than us? Well, so that seems to change with, um, I found that, you know, when I took over FranNet, one of the things the guys were still doing, a lot of our franchisees were placing a weekly ad in the newspaper. Well, obviously they don't do that anymore. <laughs> so you have to really keep up, you know, with what, what your clients might be doing. and there is a lot more being done digitally than ever before. So you've got to be there. Um, a lot of our stuff is still, if you think in terms of local market focus, it's local networking, local um, interactions. One of the things I tell our FranNet people when they join us is I want them to become the face of franchising in their market. I want it to be if someone has a conversation 
um, and says, I'm thinking about quitting my job. I'd like to explore business ownership. Somebody goes, oh, you really ought to talk to, you know, fill in the blank, the frame that person here. So I want them out there and establishing a faith and a presence in their communities. And um, that is the most effective marketing we can do. Second would be, yes, you've got to supplement it with a lot of the digital properties, um, you know, being on LinkedIn, having a Facebook page, uh, doing SEO and CPC, all of those other things. I don't think there's any silver bullet right now for anyone in our industry. <laughs> so now, uh, Jenna, how do you see, uh, we're going through this crisis here, obviously, and you said you feel uh, that something kind of an unintended consequence of this is going to be maybe more people considering uh, owning a franchise after this thing gets kind of uh, played out a little bit more. Is there any other trends that you see kind of going into, like, say, even next year that you'll think from a franchise standpoint, is there going to be consolidation maybe of some franchises? Uh, I'm sure some of them aren't going to make it because of just the nature of what their business is and this period of time without having, you know, kind of customers. Uh, how do you see kind of the industry moving forward, uh, you know, once we get through this? Yeah, um, unfortunately, I do think there will be a lot of young franchise companies that won't make it. They don't have that war chest, you know, set aside of, of excess capital to carry them through. I think you will see some consolidation. I think you'll see um, larger brands picking up some of those small brands. I also think you'll see and hear a lot about essential businesses. We're already hearing that buzzword, where before what we heard was recession resistant. Uh, so now it's going to be, you know, essential businesses. And people and clients especially, they'll be tuned into that. Who are the brands? What are the types of businesses that were able to continue to operate during this pandemic? Um, and are those um, going to be the kind of business I would enjoy being in? So I, I think realistically we're going to see a shift and a change in what our consumers are looking for. Um, but I think as an industry, we're going to see a lot of consolidation. And as I've said before on a couple of, of interviews, uh, anyone with cracks in the foundation they're going to all surface right now. This is going to be a tough time if they don't have their house in order. Now, we've been doing this franchise marketing show for a while now, and we've run across uh, some, uh, I call them kind of clusters, where they maybe target one industry and they have several complementary franchises that all mm -hmm. hit that same market. Uh, I've seen a lot of that in the B2C market, uh, and I was wondering if you're going to see some of that pop up in the B2B market. Are you seeing any trends in that area? Well, I think it's too early right now to see trends as a result of the, the pandemic. I do think that, yes, there are um, development teams, especially in some of the investor groups that do look for clusters of business types. They, um, I guess they develop a comfort level and uh, a knowledge about a type of business uh, industry, and, and they kind of run with that. I, I think we'll consider, uh, continue to see that. The, the reality is, with 3,600 different concepts and more than 80 industries, it's very difficult to be a expert in all things. So I think the uh, ownership in clusters within an industry, yes, I think that will expand, and I think you will see it in B2B as well as B2C. 
So now, any advice for the, let's take each of your two main constituents, any advice for that person that runs a franchise in the local market to weather the storm? Well, yes, my FranNet people and the, the franchisors that we work with and the franchisees that we play, um, you know, this is a time for everyone to to understand, first of all, this is going to pass. This is not going to last forever. And to button down the hatches in terms of managing that cash flow so that you are here when when the tide comes. Uh, looking very hard at your P&L statement and saving tax where you can. Um, also, very positive, and we just started a new hashtag for our group that's, you know, beyond the crisis. And I think that sums up my recommendation is to begin to look at what's going to be next and preparing. How are you going to come out of this? Put your marketing plan together. Your, you know, um, bringing people, if you've had to lay off people, how can you bring them back on and expanding or hiring? Really thinking through um, a 30, 60, 90, 120-day kind of plan to make sure that you don't get caught up in just the, the onslaught of this negative environment that, that you know, bombards us from the television and radio right now. Yeah, I agree. I think that during this time, um, no matter what your situation is, it's, uh, you know, it's a fight to stay positive. And I think it's important from a brand standpoint, no matter what your brand is, is to stay out there in some manner, uh, to show that you still, number one, exist. So your customers don't forget you. I think that's important. Some sort of brand ubiquity where you can go out there mm-hmm. and let people know that you're still in business and, uh, that you want to help. And it may not be exactly what you do. For your day job, but let them know that you have resources and you're willing to help, and and just you know try to stay as top of mind as you can in a positive manner. Uh, I don't think you can kind of stay in a bunker and then pop your head up in three months and no. say, "Okay, I'm back." Uh, I agree. I got an email this morning from um, a massage concept that you know I've uh, utilized their services, reminding me that they're there and you know they miss their customers and. That they'll be reaching out as soon as the doors can be opened again. And, you know, my hairstylist reaching out and saying they miss us as much as we miss them. And those kind of things are important and they're not expensive. And it does resonate very well with your clients to know that you're still there and that when this is over, um, they will be there for you. And uh, I would imagine you want uh, all the people out there now that are wondering if they are going to have jobs at the end of this to think about Franet as a possible way to kind of control their own destiny, no matter how this shakes out, right? I definitely would would offer our services. You know, it's uh, one thing when you're set at home, you don't have anything else to do. You can be doing research and investigating and seeing if if this is something that long-term you want to explore. So it could be a positive use of your time, and uh, obviously we would love to do that. So now what's the first step if somebody wants to explore FranNet as an opportunity in their market? Um, they would go to our website, and um, and it's FranNet.com, two N's, F-R-A-N-N-E-T.com. And there's several calls to action. They can actually take uh, what we call an assessment, a readiness assessment, and it helps them kind of see where they fit in and, and are they, in fact, kind of geared towards business ownership. They can immediately reach out to talk to a consultant in their market. They fill out a short form there. 
um, or they can call directly to that consultant in their market. So lots of different ways to connect with us. And the one thing I can promise, none of our people are in any sort of pushy roles. They never are, but especially now, you know, we're very respective of the fact that it's a scary time. It may be a good time to just explore, but it's definitely not a pull-the-trigger-buy time. So um, we try to support our clients and, and wherever they happen to be in the process. Well, Jenna, thank you so much for sharing your story today. Uh, one more time, the website. Frannet, F-R-A-N-N-E-T dot com. Good stuff. Well, that was uh, Jana Bailey, CEO of Frannet. This is Lee Cantor for Stone Payton. We will see you all next time on Franchise Marketing Radio.